On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's going on, everybody? Matt Robinson here with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. And uh, you know, wherever you're hearing us right now, we're on that. That thing. Maybe it's Spotify. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts, Google Pods. We're on Stitcher. You hear those annoying, you're listening to an iHeartRadio station. That's us. We're an iHeartRadio station. Wherever you're getting your audio, There's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. We would love it if you'd go ahead and hit that and uh, join us for future shows. We have some great stuff coming up, especially here through the holiday season. Uh, We always try and do it up big for you guys as much as we can. Um, Really good show today. Excited to be having on the podcast again, a longtime friend of the show, AJ Jackiebeck from TSN 1200. And he is also the play-by-play guy on the radio for your Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, We're going to talk some football with him, of course. Got a great Grey Cup matchup coming up between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, And we'll ask him off the top even just, uh, you know, because he is doing a daily talk show in the nation's capital, what what the temperature's been like from the text messages and the emails uh, from the uh, Ottawa Senators fan bases. I'm sure things have been a little tense. A couple wins lately. Maybe the temperature's been turned down a little bit, but uh, no doubt uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks to... uh, to be working for the broadcaster of the Ottawa Senators as well. So we love it when AJ makes some time for us. But before we get into it, it is day seven as I sit here right now, Tuesday evening um, of the Nita Craft Holiday Beer Calendar. They have a different wording for this thing every year. It's the Advent Calendar. And uh, there's all kinds of breweries in it, uh, but it's Nita who puts it on. We've been talking about this thing on the podcast for a while. This is day seven. And uh, so the pint that I'll be sipping on while we talk to AJ is from Calabogie, who um, we've had uh, their beers on the show several times before. They make really nice stuff. Uh, Screeds, Shrides, she's not here to defend herself. I should call her by real. Michaela Schreider um, loves the Calabogie uh, beers, and and she's had them on the podcast a bunch of times. And I think, I think you're going to be hearing from her on the podcast before Christmas. A little tease there. Not going to give you too much detail, but uh, look for her again before Christmas. So that'll be good as we wind down the year. Um, 
But she loves the Calabogie. I really like their stuff as well. For the most part, that uh, brown cow stout you're all tired of hearing me talk about. That's not what this is, though. Uh, in the calendar today, they had their Winter Solstice Pale Ale. And um, I've got it here in front of me. I've never tried this one before, I don't think, unless it's been in the calendar before. A lot of people will ask you after you do the calendar each year, like, what was your favorite one? You're like, I don't know. Like, if they sort of run together. It's fun to do. And I have a group chat going with some of the guys in my family and, and whatever that, that we do this with. And certainly Rob is doing it as well. We talk about it on the podcast. But by the end of it, you've had 24 beers in 24 days. And sometimes you just have a hard time remembering what's what. I don't think I've had this one before. Um, but if I have, it was in the calendar in uh, in previous years. And I don't know if Calaboogie should be putting the same thing. And maybe they didn't. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to rain on them if they do anything wrong. I don't think you should put the same beer in the calendar for multiple years. If anybody's doing that, don't do that. <laughs> that's that's the conclusion we've uh, we've gotten to here. The Winter Solstice Pale Ale from Calabogie. So it is a pale. Uh, okay. So right up front, when you first take your sip, it is. Uh, it's a little piney. I'm, I'm normally okay with. I don't mind that. It does typically remind me more of an IPA when you do the piney thing like this, but it's a pale ale, and, and we've talked about it on, on here before. The pale ale leads a ton of room for interpretation, for breweries to kind of do what they want with. Uh, everything behind the uh, the pininess up front is citrusy of some sort, whether it's mango or uh, maybe some orange. I'm not sure what else is going on there, but very citrusy. Um there's nothing wrong with the beer. I, this is it's pretty tasty. It says it's a five point seven percent. I don't know why it's a pale or um, why this is their winter solstice. To me, this screams gorgeous summer beer. Um, and I don't know. Maybe you just brew a good beer and then put the name on it afterwards. I'm not sure. To me, there's not anything wintry about this one, and I don't even know what I would consider wintry. But this one screams summer solstice to me. But uh, a tasty beer for day seven of the uh, craft beer advent calendar. Uh, like I said, this is from uh, Calabogie. If you're interested more in the beers, we talk about them on our social media feeds. We are, like I said, at Audio on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can give us a follow there. But we got football to discuss with our buddy AJ Jackubeck on the Talkan Audio podcast. We'll get to him. Uh, check the time here. Oh, right now. Let's go. As promised, happy to welcome back into the podcast, longtime friend of the show uh, from TSN 1200 and the voice of your Ottawa Red Blacks, AJ Jackiebeck is here. How you doing tonight? Great, Matt. How you doing? No complaints at all. It's good to have you back. We always appreciate you making a little time for us. And uh, we got a ton of football stuff I want to ask you about, but just it's been all over the news here lately. You're based here in Ottawa. You're taking texts and emails on the radio from uh, from all sort of Ottawa-based um, sports fans. Maybe the temperature has been turned down just a little bit on the Senators, but what's the mood like there in the nation's capital around the hockey team? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's definitely cooled down. It had heated up quite a bit. You know, when you're four fifteen and one, and you, you send down your third highest paid player to the AHL after clearing waivers, there's certainly going to be uh, some consternation. But uh, three straight wins have helped. Look, I, I think a lot of people. Still didn't expect this to be a playoff team this year. I think, you know, for, for me personally, I, I thought that they would take a step and hopefully play some meaningful games maybe into March, maybe finish with 85 points somewhere in there. And you know, I guess 85 points is still realistic. Uh, playoffs or any kind of 
meaningful games. Looks like, uh, you know, barring something even more miraculous than the hamburger run, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but, um, you know, there are some encouraging signs. And um, I, I think, you know, obviously, there, you know, I think we know where a, a lot of the issues are on this hockey team. Uh, when, when, it, when it comes to, you know, goaltending has been a bit of an issue. It, it stabilized a little bit uh, in, in the last week. And look at that. Uh, they're winning some hockey games. Uh, the defense core, I think, is still, you know, bottom half of, of the NHL. But the group that they've been icing over the course of the last week at least looks like a competent NHL defense. And, you know, they're thin up the middle, and that's not going to change, especially with the injuries to Shane Pinto and Colin White. But for me, it's still about the core group and what this group is going to do going forward and, and ensuring that, you know, they don't get down in the dumps. They don't start having uh, a losing mentality, uh, breeding a losing culture. And when you look at how the top line is fared, it's one of the best lines in the league right now with yeah. Norris Kachuk and Batherson. You look at Stutzla and how, you know, he seems to be uh, playing very well since his move to the middle. Uh, you look at how Shabbat is playing on the back end. So all the all the key pieces, to me, are playing well and developing and getting better. And that, to me, from a big picture standpoint, I said going into the year, I'd rather take a step back to take two steps forward than to take a step forward to... Uh, to not take any more steps than that. So it's about the prize. It's about eventually competing to, to win championships here. And I don't think anything has happened over the course of the 23 games that can, that can say, well, this is set back the rebuild immeasurably. I think it's disappointing for sure, especially if you're a season ticket holder. Um, it's disappointing because in the here and now, this team is is not going to play meaningful games, barring a miracle, like I said. But um, you know, big picture, I think you know they're, they're still on the rails in terms of where they need to be in three, four, five years. Yeah, yeah, I think this is um, you know when you step back and look at it, the, the the future is bright. There is a good young core there that maybe is just wasn't quite as close as uh, as we thought. And and to be fair, there's been injuries, there's been COVID issues, there's been a it hasn't been an easy uh, start to the season for them. But uh, you mentioned a team trying to contend for uh, or build towards a championship. We have a championship game on Sunday in the Canadian Football League um, featuring probably, well, for sure the best team in the league. And then, uh, you know, Hamilton was right there with Toronto battling for tops of the East. I'm going to kick the Grey Cup just a little bit further down because I want to start on the Ottawa Red Blacks, who you had a close look at all season. It was not a great season here in Ottawa. But I wonder what your sort of takeaway was when you were on here to tee up the season for us and, and do our preseason show with us. You sort of said that there was a wide range of possibilities here based on the fact that there wasn't a 2020 season and, you know, a lot of rosters were going to look different. It was going to be very hard to make predictions based on, you know, a lot of new guys in new places. Um, and you sort of had where they finished as, as one possibility, maybe a chance to get one or two more wins along the way that didn't end up panning out. Um, big picture, sort of, when you look back at the 2021 Ottawa Red Black season, what do you think went wrong, just sort of in general, in a general sense as we moved through the year? Uh, one phase of the game. <laughs> I think they had uh, the, the best special teams in the league. They had a, a decent defensive unit 
and offensively it's it was woeful i mean there's nothing really you can say from an offensive standpoint that you say okay well my goodness uh, that that was encouraging it, it was one of the worst seasons in cfl history on that side of the ball so yeah and and, and it starts on the old line it, it started in the off season when alex mateus retired and alex fontana his direct replacement couldn't play mm-hmm. And so now you're down two Canadians. You're forced to dress three Americans. And, you know, you, you just had bad luck with injuries all season long where, you know, 10 different guys, 10, count them, 10 <laughs> different players made their CFL debut this year on the offensive line. Now, I, I think there were some encouraging uh, signs in terms of progress with, with some of those young guys. But in the end... You know, once Nolan McMillan went down, I mean, it was Mark Cordy uh, anchoring uh, a group in wherever he was playing, whether it was at tackle, whether it was at center. It was at center most of the season. But uh, you had Mark Cordy and a lot of guys that were just new to to professional football. And in the end, you know, they, they, they couldn't overcome that. They couldn't overcome the fact that uh, they didn't get enough from some of their skill position players. I think Timothy Flanders got better as the season wore on, but there just wasn't enough dynamic play from him compared to you know some of the other top running backs in the league. And when it comes to the receivers, I, I think I think it was okay. Like it's a decent enough group. This isn't the 2014 season where you know at the end of the year you're thinking, okay, none of these guys are coming back, and they ended up signing as free agents five different starters, right? For, for the next season and Brad Sinopoli, Greg Ellingson, Ernest Jackson, Chris Williams, and, and Mo Price. Well, this group isn't that. I mean, they had pretty good rookie in Ryan Davis. RJ Harris is a, definitely a starting CFL receiver. I think it was a breakthrough year for Nate Bahar. But in the end, you'd kind of like that to be, you know, two, three, and five or two, four, and five, something like that. They're, mm-hmm. they're locking that number one receiver. It didn't help that. Jalen Saunders, who I think was signed to be that kind of deep threat type receiver that can, can really scare defenses, didn't play a game because of a car accident. Right. Uh, certainly it didn't help that Brad Sinopoli retired as well, but, you know, it was a pretty average group for the most part. And, you know, I think slotting, uh, if you slot these guys in next year as two, three, and five, or two, four, and five, and you bring in a couple of, quality receivers to compliment them. I, I think that's that 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 can be a decent group. But not enough from that group, not enough from the running back position. Certainly um a lot of issues on the offensive line, which leads you to quarterback. And you know, they, they got it wrong. They they got it wrong. Matt Nichols came in and, you know, he just didn't have the same type of arm strength that he had uh before the shoulder surgery that ended his season in twenty nineteen and uh, how, probably how should have cut bait sooner than they did. How surprised were you about that? Because we came in, we heard all the assurances, yeah. but you were there around training camp and stuff. We had heard, you know, no, he's feeling good, but it's always a risk after a, a shoulder surgery. Um, do you think it was just a strength thing, a, a game thing? Like, what did you see there, and and how much how much did it surprise you? Yeah, I, I mean, he, he just didn't have it in his arm. I mean, it's a, to me, it's as simple as that. I mean, this is a smart quarterback that can read defenses and all that kind of stuff. I can understand why a head coach or an offensive coordinator would want to work with a guy like Matt Nichols because mm-hmm. he does everything right from a professional standpoint. But like, if you can't get the ball there, then 
you, you got to cut bait. And, and to me, they didn't cut bait soon enough. I, I think they probably should have gone with somebody else from the opening day, but they obviously didn't think that Dominic Davis was the answer. And then that ended up being the case as well, because we saw all the same mistakes in 2021 that we saw in 2019. Right. And, and then you had two young guys that were new to professional football. It's not like they were on a practice roster for a year and, and then they were making their debuts after at least spending some time. I mean, they were raw professional rookies in Caleb Evans and, and Taron Christian. So, yeah, it's – I mean, they, they just miscalculated that completely. So, top to bottom on offense, everything – Everything went wrong, quite yeah. frankly, and and they need to fix that. And it it starts it starts at quarterback. Although you can say it starts on the offensive line, I think I think you can fix the receivers um, if you get a couple of really good guys. But you know you you, you need to fix everything there because you, you can't come back with a third straight year of that offensively where they're they're just dismal. I think you know the one thing that I find when I talk to people around town that are Red Blacks fans or even just casual fans, they just say, you know what? I can deal with the losing, but I want to see entertaining football. I yeah, want to see a show on a Friday night, right? I'm coming yeah, out to the I'll, stadium. I, yeah. I, I want to see touchdowns. Yep. They, that's what they tell me. I want to see entertaining football. I want to see touchdowns. It's not even about the wins and losses. Now the wins and losses definitely helps, of but I, I think, that's an area they have to fix. It's not, well, maybe you maybe you hope they fix it. They have to fix that. There, there's no other option to, to bring back uh, another offensive season like we've seen the last two here in 2019 and 2021 would be absolutely unacceptable to this fan base. So they they have to they have to fix that. And and it's all over the field. So we'll, we'll see if they can get things done again. There's, there's some decent pieces there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd like to see Nate Bahar back. I'd like to see RJ Harris back. Uh, Ryan Davis, you know, is going, going to be back. I think Mark Cordy is maybe amongst all the players that are unsigned, the most important to get re-signed um, in, in this off season. But, um, you know, it goes well beyond that. They're going to have to hammer away at free agency. They're going to have to be big players, on that side of the ball. And if they can do that, I think they've got everything else in place to be competitive next year, but that's a big if, you know, not every team can have an off season like they had going into 2015, but the Argos did it after, uh, you know, a couple of real bad seasons in 2018 and 2019, they brought in a lot of different pieces, uh, guys like Eric Rogers and Tavares Daniels uh, to name a couple and so it can be done in one off season, but they have to go out and do it. Yeah, new management team going to be in place to uh, to put that together. You mentioned the two young quarterbacks there. We also saw later in the season Duck Hodges get the uh, get the the contract and brought up to Canada. And just this week, AJ, we heard uh, the name being thrown around by Paul Lapolis, Chris Streveler. And I wonder, you know, I have no idea how realistic that's going to be, uh, but. Did you see enough in-house out of those three quarterbacks I mentioned off the top that would lead you to believe there might be something there, or are they going to have to go out and make a bigger splash than that at quarterback? Yeah, I, I'd like to see Caleb Evans and Duck Hodges come back and turn Christian. I mean, unfortunately, we just didn't see enough, enough of them. I think there are some good tools there, 
and then it got hurt uh, in that unfortunate game where, you know, another one of those games where the offensive line had injuries and uh, basically uh, Mark Cordy had to move away from center and a bad snap led to an injury, yeah. his, his season being over. So I don't, I don't know what the long-term status is for Christian, but I, I would definitely like to see both Evans and Hodges back because I think there's a lot there with both of these guys. Uh, you know, when you're a young quarterback, it, it takes time in this league. Uh, you know, going back to to watching Al- Anthony Calvillo struggle in, in Las Vegas uh, to, to being one of the best quarterbacks in the history of uh, Canadian football, mm-hmm. you have to be patient. And, and I think they have two guys that, that want to learn, want to be better, and have the tools to be pretty good quarterbacks in this league. So uh, definitely want to see both of them back. And then in terms of what comes in, I mean, Chris Treveller, yeah, I, I, I like what he can bring to the table. First and foremost, he's still on an NFL roster. Yeah. He's uh, a practice squad player for the Baltimore Ravens. Number two, the question you have to ask is, okay, if you're bringing in Chris Treveller, you're bringing him in to be something similar to what he was in Winnipeg, where he's very effective in that role as, you know, a kind of a dual threat, change of pace type quarterback, or are you bringing him in to be your bona fide number one starting quarterback here? And if you, if it's the latter, again, that doesn't leave me, that leaves me with a lot more maybe type feels than, okay, they, they got their guy type feels. So, um, Look, the the quarterback carousel is going to be fascinating because you've you're probably going to have players like Jeremiah Masoli and and uh, Trevor Harris and and others, and and there's probably not going to be that bona fide, absolute, surefire number one guy that gets to market. Um, it but, feels like we're seeing less and less of those every year in the CFL, doesn't it? Like, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, but. I think the bottom line is, boy, if you hitch your wagon to Streveler as your absolute number one, I don't know if there's, I don't know if he's shown the the ability to to prove that he's the guy that can come in, start eighteen games, and be that start to finish guy that that throws thirty five times a game. Right. And, and maybe you're not playing that type of football with him. I mean, maybe you're running a lot more. And, you know, working your schemes around them. But, uh, man, that, that, that feels like a gamble to me if, if you're hitching your wagon to him. If, if you're bringing him in to add him to the group that you already have and saying, okay, we're just going to go with a couple of different guys and ch- change, change kind of things up and, and, you know, keep defenses off balance uh, with, with the guys that we've got, then, then I'm all for that. But if it's absolutely this is our bona fide guy, that scares me a little bit. I'll be honest. It seems a little unlikely to me, and, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, like that he would be all that interested in leaving even a practice squad in the NFL to come and not be a bona fide number one, right? Like you'd almost have to promise him that to get him here, wouldn't you? Well, that that's the conundrum here, yeah, right? Because yeah. I think it's better off in, in the Canadian Football League. You're you're better off being a starting quarterback than being on the practice roster. Otherwise, we would have seen guys like Bully by Mitchell and, and others go down and, and give it a shot to be on a practice roster. Sure. Just the, the money, even now, I mean, you, you were seeing guys get four-year, $2.8 million contracts like Mike Riley got mm-hmm. in, in BC. So, you know, you're seeing guys, 
well over 700,000 in terms of what they're making. I think that's probably going to be cut down just based on the belt tightening yeah. to closer to 500,000 tops for a starting quarterback, but that's still really good money and you're playing, right? I mean, I, I think if you're given the option of being a $500,000 guy and you know you're probably not going to make it in the National Football League as a starter, well, at that point, maybe you say, okay, I'm just going to go and make good money and play. Mm-hmm. And and so, but that that is the conundrum, right? If you're bringing them up here, what are you paying them? And if you're paying them big money, well, you're probably paying them big money to be your bona fide number one starter. Right. And, that, that that to me is where it becomes a little bit tricky. Yeah, because well, as you said, it's a hell of a gamble at this point to uh, to bring him up here. And yeah, once you give him that money to lure him up here, you're almost married to him. So uh, let's move on to the the big game this weekend, AJ. We're it's Grey Cup season, although the the season has come a little bit later than it normally does. I, I don't know what uh, you know mid December in uh, in Hamilton is going to look like. I imagine people will be dressed warmly. It can't be that much colder than what we had here when the the Grey Cup was here in, what was it, 2016, 2017. Um, what do you make of the matchup? And, uh, you know, the I think it's probably safe to say the Blue Bombers were at least the, the best team in the West, certainly, but uh, maybe the best team in the league. And then Hamilton, kind of an interesting season, uh, did finish, I guess, just behind Toronto. But, you know, I, I don't think it was a huge upset to see them beat the Argos. What do you make of the matchup here? Yeah, well, first on the weather, uh, Saturday, a high of 13, supposed to rain on Saturday in Hamilton. And then uh, on game day, high of four, low of minus one. That's that's, fine. That's pretty good. Great cup weather. That's been pretty similar to a lot of the great cups, like 2016 in Toronto was around that temperature. 2017, it wasn't so much cold here. It was just uh, the snow that that, that fell on game day. So (laughs) it was still a lot more pleasant than uh, than some of the other uh, cold weather games that that you see so should be pretty good in, in terms of weather and conditions and uh, hopefully it, it it stays sunny during the day and and uh, and we don't have too much pre- precipitation if any on game day because uh, I think especially when it comes to the field you want to ensure that you've got the best conditions possible but uh, yeah I'm fascinated by this matchup because Winnipeg to me, I, I think this is the best team. I know some people will talk about Calgary and those teams uh, in, in 2016 and 17 and 18 where they went to three straight great cups and the year they lost to Ottawa, they were 15-2-1. and one. It's one of the best teams in CFL history. But this this Bombers team, to me, is one of the best I've ever seen in the Canadian Football League and, and probably the most dominant team I've seen uh, since I started broadcasting the games here in Ottawa in 2014. So they are... Uh, a juggernaut on both sides of the football. Uh, they, they dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, they've got a great offensive line. Uh, they've got uh, a great defensive line. And, and so when you turn the ball over five times and a half, as they did against the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders, and it was 5 nothing in the turnover battle, yeah. and you're only losing 10-7, <laughs> that just goes to show how dominant a football team you are. Um, I, I do think they're going to, meet a, a pretty good match here uh, on Sunday in the Hamilton Tiger Cats. There, there's a lot of veterans on that team. Uh, this was a team that I think at times underachieved this year. And I think probably part of the problem was this was a team that was going to be judged solely by what they did in the postseason. And in particular, did they get to a great cup in Hamilton? Uh, you know, they lost 
hosted a, a great cup in the nineties and they haven't won a great cup since 1999 as well. So that nineties one, that was a major snow game, wasn't it? Argos and somebody, I think. Play, yeah. I, I Argos and Edmonton. Yeah. yeah I think exactly. you recall that so, being a blizzard. Uh, yeah. So fortunately we won't have that on Sunday, yeah. but um, th- this is huge. We had Luke Tasker on the radio station today. And I mean, he was seven years a tie cat and you, you look at their last eight seasons and this is their fourth Grey Cup appearance, and they've been to two other East Finals where they lost to Ottawa. Right. So th- this is a group that you know has done everything in terms of what they have done in the postseason, but win the big one. And guys like Simone Lawrence, uh, Ted Laurent, Brandon Banks, Jeremiah Masoli, whether he starts or not, I'm guessing they go with Dane Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, but but these guys have been a part of you know the majority of those games and and suffered a lot of different heartbreak. Now they get the big game at home. It was interesting. Luke told us that yeah, the three great cup losses they were all out west. So it, it, the the travel and the fact that they're going to be at home that's right. going to be a definite advantage for them. Um, they'll know how to handle great cup week. I, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating matchup. I, I still like the Bombers to win, but. My goodness, uh, Hamilton, if there's one team that's going to knock off this juggernaut this year, um, I, I feel like it's this Ticats team because they're they're well-coached and they certainly have the, the talent to uh, to be able to pull it off, even though we've only seen it in, in, in flashes this year. Do you have any thoughts on... You know the cities in terms of a matchup. To me, I'm I, I like these Grey Cups, and look, I watch them all. I obviously I'm an Ottawa fan. I grew up an Argonauts fan because I grew up down there, right? These sort, but there's certain matchups. There's certain teams where I go, yeah, like this screams CFL to me. And to me, Winnipeg Hamilton looks like that. It's not like I wouldn't watch, and I have watched obviously a Toronto Vancouver Grey Cup. We've seen that, although it's been a while. I think that was Damon Allen versus Casey Printers, maybe in like '04 or something like that. But there's certain ones where you go, this feels more Grey Cup-ish than other ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there something to be said for these sort of, I don't know, smaller markets where maybe the the CFL team gets more attention because it's one of the only games in town? Like, to me, there's something cool about matchups like this one. Two great CFL fan bases, for sure. Hamilton, it's it's the team in town, right? I mean, obviously, the Leafs are a big deal. Uh, there, but it, the the Tiger Cats are Hamilton's team, and when it comes to Winnipeg, for a while when hockey went away and the NHL went away, um, the the Blue Bombers were Winnipeg's team, right. and you, you saw just the atmosphere at both games on the weekend. Uh, the game in Toronto was a road game for the Tiger Cats, and there Didn't were over twenty one thousand like people there, and. Half of those fans were were tie cats. Yeah, fans, a lot right? of black and gold there for sure. Yeah, not all of them the best behaved no. as we saw after the fact, <laughs> but you know it's a it's a very rabid fan base and a lot of great fans there for sure. And and when it comes to Winnipeg, I mean, there's no better atmosphere. People in Saskatchewan won't like it, but there's no better atmosphere than a packed IG Field in Winnipeg. That that place is just awesome in terms of the atmosphere. You could feel it just watching the the west final last week so um winnipeg fans bring it they they love their team tie cats fans love their team and again the fact that it's in hamilton the great cup this year uh is going to be uh you know it's it's not going to be a lot of people aren't going i'm not going this year for the first time 
since uh, since 2013. But people in Hamilton are going to embrace this. Yes, uh, you know everything's a little bit kind of watered down in terms of parties and and, and that sort of thing. But there's still going to be great cup parties. There's still going to be festivals and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it'll be a little bit different. But it's just great having it back and and to have two teams that are well supported, two real good football teams in a city that that's really passionate about uh, the Ticats hosting the game. I think it is great for everybody when it comes to the Canadian football league. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up. Cause I was speaking to a buddy of mine and I've seen a, a little bit on Twitter, a few people who normally go wherever it is, but that decided not to this year citing and correctly that uh, the gray cup is often more than just the game. There's all those parties leading up to it. And, yeah. and there's going to be a few of them that don't happen and, and stuff like that. But uh, I know our mutual friend there, Michaela Schreider, she's headed down to, uh, to check things out, not going for as long as she normally does, because same thing, there's not quite as many things to do. So, you know, there, people are at different spots with it, right? Whether it's time to go or, or not. But yeah, the city of Hamilton is obviously going to embrace this in a big way, and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be cool for them. On sort of a, a keys to victory kind of thing, what is a matchup or two between these two teams that you're going to be looking at? If Hamilton's going to be successful, this and this has to happen, versus Winnipeg, you know, they'll need to make that and, and shut this down kind of thing. Like, keys to victory for each team in your mind. Well, the turnover battle is going to be huge. Winnipeg, they might have got away with the the five first-half turnovers and the six total turnovers last week. If they do anything near that, this time uh, they're not getting away with right. it. And and certainly uh, that, that goes with the Ticats as well. There, there's no doubt that's going to be a big part. Special teams, I think, always plays a factor. And especially, you know, Tim Horton's field, it's seemingly in a wind tunnel and so <laughs> I, I always find that you know special teams is is fascinating just in terms of how the kickers and kicking teams deal with you know the elements uh, so that's going to be a big factor as well and yeah just uh beyond that can Hamilton get pressure on Zach Kolaros I, I think that that's going to be huge for them it's a great Winnipeg offensive line but they might meet their match in terms of what they see with this Hamilton defensive line. Jagarit Davis in particular has been a beast all season long, but in recent games as well, he was awesome in, in that East final against the Argos. So uh, I think uh, that the the battle in the trench, trenches, and in particular the battle between the Winnipeg offensive line and the Hamilton defensive line is going to be one to watch on Sunday. And you said uh, there a few minutes ago, you, you're you sort of expecting it to be Dane Evans over Jeremiah Masolia. It does sort of look that way, but... Uh... I, I don't know how they don't go with Dane Evans when he goes 16-16 for 249 <laughs> yards and a touchdown and leads you to, to win the East Final. I don't think they have the luxury of the slow start that they had the last two weeks. I mean, they dug themselves out of a hole in both the East Semifinal and the East Final. They started very slow and it was defense and it was special teams that kept them in those games and eventually the offense got moving but against a team as good as Winnipeg you better be firing on all cylinders right out of the gate and to me they got to start with Dane Evans in my opinion. So two final ones for you here and one of them is always the same I'm going to ask you for a prediction but just on also a scale of 
you know, you've you've been to all of these since I think he's a 2013. Um, you've seen a lot of great great cup games over the year. Sort of, what's your excitement level or your interest level in this particular matchup, and you know, for this year's great cup, especially after having lost it for a year? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this: uh, it's it's been, and again, maybe this is partly because. I called games for a team that finished three and 11, right. but I don't think it was a banner season in terms of the actual football and the actual product in the Canadian football league over the course of the regular season. I will say we've had some really entertaining games in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm, I'm just hoping that we get another good football game because I thought we got two really good football games last week, the East and West final. Sure. And if we get something similar to that in the gray cup, that's what you want to see. It's your showcase event. Uh, millions of people will be watching across the country. And so you want to deliver a good product. And if it's something like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, that's probably a good thing. If it's more like what we've, uh, what we saw uh, on a regular basis over the course of the regular season, um, then, you know, that won't be a good thing. So um, hopefully it's, uh, it's more like those playoff games, but uh, in terms of a prediction, yeah, I'll, I'll say Winnipeg wins. I think it's going to be close. I think Winnipeg wins by less than a touchdown, but I think we're in for a real close, entertaining battle, and uh, I think it's going right uh, to the end of the fourth quarter. Any chance of, uh, you said it's been you know quite a while since you haven't been to one. Do you expect when you're sitting there watching it, a little FOMO, wish you maybe at the mo- <laughs> in that moment, you wish you'd have gone down maybe? Or I, I saw the, uh, I got the invite to Wednesday's media mm party uh, uh, that Dave Naylor puts on every year and that's probably the FOMO that <laughs> that I'll experience but no it's I, I mean for me Grey Cup is about the events and part of the reason that you know just on my own dime I decided not to go is just the fact that you, you kind of want I, I love the fact that they're doing it right I just I don't know I, everyone's different I don't I don't want to be going to a, an event where you're mingling and it's great right, cup yeah. and you're told to put your mask up and that sort of thing. Right. And it's not yep. only going to want, I mean, I, Hey, I want to follow the rules and if those are the rules and you know, that's, what's going to keep everyone safe then great. But I kind of want gray cup to be gray cup and I'm not really sure it 100% can. Maybe I'm just completely off base and out to lunch on that. The people that are going are going to have a great time. I'm sure they will. But uh, I'm I'm hoping for a Grey Cup like it always is, and and you know hopefully we get back to that in Regina, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that this week that we get rave reviews about how awesome a time it was for everyone. Because again, it's one thing like you're used to in COVID times, right? You put on your mask, you go to your table, you sit at your table, mm-hmm. you take your mask off there, whatever. Uh, Grey Cup, I don't, I just don't know how it's going to work that way, right? It, there's just so much mingling. Yes. In, in terms of, you know, being in a convention center. And so I don't know how that's going to work and how they're going to police it or anything like that. But uh, I just didn't really want to find out. And I hope to find out that I should have FOMO, that right. uh, that everyone has an amazing time and it's going to be awesome for everybody this week in Hamilton. No, I totally agree with you there. There's certain things that, you know, I, I don't know if I'm quite up for yet. And if the rules are like this and this, you know, maybe it's not going to be the same and, and maybe not quite worth, like you said, I, I'm with you. I, it wasn't, even though it's pretty close and it would have been easier travel, I just wasn't quite there yet this year. Um, 
and Regina next year, I hope we are in a better place because nobody will do a Grey Cup week quite like uh, like Saskatchewan fans will know how to do. And I also hope, really, that Hamilton doesn't have to go anywhere near this long again before getting another one. And I do think, you know, even maybe sooner than even the typical rotation, right? If we well, get they're through- getting one in 2023. Okay, that's what I, I I did not know that. I'm happy to hear yeah. that, right? Where hopefully the world's in a better place and they can do it up big time, and they will do it up big time. I'm happy to hear that. That's. Uh, we'll wind this one down here, AJ. Always appreciate your time and and uh, your expertise, and uh, I know you'll be watching the game just like uh, like we are. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, cheers, Matt. Always a pleasure. For uh, AJ Jackiebeck, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll wind this one down here. Make sure you're following us on uh, social media at Tall Can Audio, and we'll see you all next time. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.